This is the Bear and the Bull. On the show this week, we'll be checking in with the SRA of Cal South, Mr. Juan Guzman, a referee who has been there, done that, and seen everything, and also given a yellow card to a certain Mr. Neymar. We'll talk about that later on in the show. Plus, we'll be checking in with the biggest 7v7 tournament in the history of mankind. Yes, it's going to happen at KCSP, Kern County Soccer Park. Beach Soccer is back. We'll have a look at that. And we also have a great competition coming up. Cal South is going to ask you, well, I'm going to keep that a secret, but I'll tell you what the prize is, $500 worth of Nike gear. So you better stay tuned. Keep listening. Coming up on The Bear and the Ball. All this and more. Hi, I'm Nick Webster, the Vice President of Adults on Macau South Board. This is The Bear and the Ball, the only podcast that dives deep into adult and youth soccer in the wonderful state of Southern California. As you all know, I am a complete soccer nut job, currently coaching at the wonderful University of California, Santa Barbara, with the women's team. We are having a up and down season, I'm afraid to say. Just got back from Hawaii, tied nil-nil. I've never been to Waikiki Beach before. It is spectacular. We also beat Davis 1-0 on our road trip. So things are moving, hopefully, in the right direction. Plus, we have, you know, the Premier League is cooking. Who saw Mo Salah's goal this weekend? Perhaps one of the best goals in the Premier League era. And that is saying something. And we have the international break. Lots of World Cup qualifiers. And the USA is in action. But let's get back to business. The bear and the ball, and Mr. Wang Guzman, the state SRA. What can I tell you about Mr. Guzman? Well, there is a lot to tell. His professional debut was the Columbus Crew versus Sporting Kansas City in MLS back in 2011. He has refereed MLS Cup playoffs. He's been on the FIFA panel. He even has done international games, including the biggest one of them all, perhaps Brazil versus Portugal at Gillette Stadium in 2013, the U.S. Cup Final in 2013. It is a pleasure to welcome Mr. Juan Guzman to the show. Juan, how the devil are you? <laughs> well, thank you, Nick, for inviting me. I'm very excited to be on. There's a lot to talk about, uh, you know, a lot of information that we're going to give out. Um, but obviously, you know, we're here uh, to support your program, and I'm very happy to be here and speaking to all the, the people that are tuning in. Well, let's, let's begin with your refereeing career. So I, I've read somewhere that you started at the age of 11 years old. I mean, you must have been a very brave 11-year-old to, uh, to, wear, to wear the black and be out on the pitch in front of all those screaming people as an 11-year-old. Tell us about that. Yeah, I started at 11 years old. Uh, my dad, he refereed. I would always go with him to the games. There was a, a game where there wasn't enough referees. It was a final. There was only two, and we're missing one. Um, and my dad was frantic trying to find another person to cover. And I told him, Dad, I could do it. So uh, he almost uh, cursed me out, said, get out of the way. This is a, a real problem I'm having here. Um, but I told, I kept reassuring him that I could do it. And, you know, at, you know, before the game, the other assistant referee on the game said, you know, why don't, why don't you let the, the young fellow do it? 
and you know he did um and the game went fine and that's where it started so your your first experience went off smoothly did you get the bug immediately i mean were you a player at this point i mean you know obviously i know you have a big soccer background so was playing at the forefront of your imagination or once you got this refereeing taste where you like ah forget playing i'm gonna be a ref <laughs> no i actually my love was soccer and playing soccer since i was three i was on teams in in east los angeles playing um as a young age in whittier narrows park i know a lot of people know where that is in rosemead and you know i played there my whole childhood um my dad always refereed and i would go with him uh to listen to his his uh referee talks with with uh you know some of their their referees in those leagues um and you know i i was hearing the laws of the game from an early age and it was just something that was natural to me that came into the picture when my dad needed help on that one match so when did you actually decide to make the jump and say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to dedicate my life to, to this beautiful profession, the, the profession that, you know, people say, why on earth would you want to become a referee? I think when I figured out that my dreams of becoming a, a professional soccer player were not going to happen, I think that that kind of changed the landscape where, I, you know, we always dream as, as you know, young youth players that we want to get to the top of the game. Um, you know, and there comes a realization where, uh, you know, you know that it's, it's not going to happen. And that's when I said, you know, well, if I can't be on the pitch as a player, the, the next best seat in the house is the referee. And I just went after it. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, you and you are so right about the next best place to be is a referee. You know, I've been lucky enough to travel the world like you have, but I, I went as a reporter, so I was always I was always in the press box, you know, away from the action. You you're always in the heart of the action. So tell tell us about how did the progression happen from obviously you know be, being your your dad's assistant to you know being a referee at fabulous international matches and the the, the final of the U.S. Open Cup. How was that progression? I think the um, the experience of doing those tough games at an early age uh, is the key. Right. And then, you know, I was seen by staff at Cal South. Um, in that time, Mr. Harris Bahomian was in charge of the referee youth program. Um, and he saw me in some games, state cup games, and it just progressed from there. He, went, he started inviting me to camps where they had young referees excel. They started inviting me to tournaments, regional tournaments. Uh, I was selected to go to national tournaments in adult and youth soccer. And then finally going to the big time events like Nike friendlies, the armed forces, uh, you know, the Talis Cup, you know, situations like that were the ones that helped me progress. And then and then we went into USL um, and then from USL, it got me to MLS. Talk to me about the qualities then that, that a referee should have, uh, you know, fr from from the youth level to the professional level. I'm, I'm sure there must be some slight differences, but also there must be some some themes that are uh, run through the entire journey. Yeah, I think there is things that are the same. Obviously, um, you know, I think when you go out there calling what the players need, keeping them safe, not so much calling what you want. The laws of the game sometimes are black and white. Uh, when you're in the field, it's it's not like that. You know, you have to make a lot of judgments. There are things that are you know um, where people say 50-50, and you have to decide. And I think being fair 
is always uh, the best way to go, no matter what level you are, either at the youth or at the professional level, being fair and, you know, having compassion for the players, I think is key for you to be successful. So why, why, why then did you, you know, what, what was the driving force behind you wanting to become an elite referee. I mean, was it was it just a, a natural? You know, you're, you're just climbing the ladder, or or did you have in your your mind's eye? You know what? I want to be the best in the business. I think it comes from even that first moment that you know we talked about, where I told my dad that I could do it, even though I was 11 years old. The shirt was way too big for me. Uh, the shorts hung off. Um, you know, I was probably not the best option. But you know, bonding, bonding with my father. Um, you know, him being prideful of me kept me through uh, all the difficult parts of my progression going forward. And when, you know, you reach the pinnacle, um, you know, being able to see my dad, I had a game, uh, Mexico-Chile in, in um, San Francisco Stadium, um, you know, just packed right after the 2014 World Cup. And my dad was at the 50-yard line, the first seat. And from that moment of me being 11 years old, to the culmination of him watching me in, for him, the biggest moment of my referee career, which was refing his, his uh, you know, where he was born in Mexico against such a big team like Chile. Um, you know, being able to see his son uh, out there doing that game, the, you know, with a sea of green, uh, 60, 70,000 people in that stadium. Um, I think that was a culmination. And the reason why I did all I did was you know, to bond, to have my dad, uh, you know, prideful of me, um, it became full circle. And it's one of the greatest moments that I'll ever have in my life. Wow. I mean, I'm getting chills just, just imagining that, that moment. But what's it, what's it like refereeing in front of 70,000? Oh, look at that. We've got the audience already. That's great. What, what's it like, you know, refereeing in front of 70,000 people where, Every single person, every single person is watching your every move. Um, well, you know, before you get to those matches, obviously there's other games where, you know, it'd be, it's, it's uh, 500 people, 1,000 people, 5,000. It's a progression. You know, you don't really jump into a match without having, you know, that experience and refing in those type of crowds. Um, by that time, I had already been in MLS, you know, three, four years. I had already seen big games being into Seattle, you know, with 50,000, uh, being into, you know, Portland, uh, where the crowd, it feels like it's on top of you, right? Um, so it was a progression. When you get to that level, you know, you're not really thinking about the number of fans that are in the stadium. You're so focused on the game. Um, one of the things that people don't realize is you're so focused that it feels like it's a 10-minute game. It doesn't feel like it's a 90-minute game because – um, you're so focused and you're you're not thinking about the crowd. The The crowd comes into play when you can't hear uh, your earpiece. So there's an earpiece that you wear with your other officials that are speaking to you. You know, you guys are discussing plays um, in real time. And the crowd comes into play when you can't hear them because it's so loud. Um, that's happened to me be a few times. There was a game I did in MLS semifinal between uh, Toronto and Montreal in 2000. 16 uh, and we were in Olympic Stadium I believe it was around 60 70,000 people um, and since, it, since it's a dome I couldn't hear my earpiece that's how loud it was so I think that's when it becomes a, a you know kind of a nuisance but you know 
I would always look at the crowd, maybe, you know, minute 80, 85, when I felt the game was controlled um, on a stoppage. I would just look up and just see the sea of people cheering. Um, it's one of the most um, exhilarating and, you know, um, motivating things you could see is people just loving the sport of soccer. Uh, it doesn't need any promotion. Soccer stands on its own. Um, it's a beautiful sport. Yeah, no two ways about that. I mean, you cut me open and I'm not going to bleed blood, but, <laughs> you know, the soccer balls are going to come tumbling out of me. Um, who was your favorite referee? Because, like, you know, I as a player, you know, I, I always admired Pelé because I, I, I grew up in Brazil. And then as as a coach, as I am now, you know, you, you, you can't help but love Guardiola's and the Mourinho's and the Wenger's, you know, the great coaches, the Ancelotti's. Uh, but I've never really gone, oh, I really like that referee. Although I did know um, Phil Sharp, who was actually the linesman in the uh, 2002 World Cup final. So he, he was a, a kind of like a family friend. So I got to talk to him a little bit about what's it like to you know be a linesman at the World Cup final. But who was your favorite ref? Well, I think growing up at a young age, obviously I'm biased and I'm going to say my father. Um, but, you know, obviously when I grew up a little bit and, you know, and got past the, you know, the local game, um, you know, I used to watch Brian Hall do a lot of the, the key matches here in CONCACAF. He would ref the, you know, the Mexico uh, versus uh, Panama, or he would—he obviously couldn't wear ref the U.S. because he was from here. Um, but he was the person that I wanted, that I aspired to be, uh, especially once he went into the World Cup stage and did games there. Uh, it was one of those things where you were proud to be an American, uh, and in my case, a referee at that age to see somebody go to a World Cup. And nowadays, you have Mark Geiger, who he's gone to a few World Cups. And I know the youth now, you know, when they see him, they 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 strive to be somebody like that. What 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 is the uh, what's the best match you think you've ever refereed? Oh, I'm wrong. <laughs> that's a tough one. I mean, I think I had a good, I had a lot of matches on the international stage and then the club uh, professional level. Um, I would have to say uh, my top match was Brazil Portugal. Uh, you led to it in the beginning. Um, just the atmosphere of that game. Um, how in Gillette Stadium, you know, packed house, uh, all those stars. Um, it was a really exciting match for me. Well, I have to ask you because I, I did look up the stats from that game and there's a certain player, I think he's quite famous. Um, let's see, he's Brazilian. Oh, yes, Neymar. And uh, next to his name was a little yellow card. What was it like giving a yellow card to one of the best players in the world? Well, obviously, you're, you you know you want to protect the the you know integrity of the game. Neymar plays very well, um, and you know that players are are going to target certain players like that. So in reality, I was I was there to protect the game, um, everybody in it. However, Neymar was a person of interest because of the skill level he had. So you know I was always close to his plays. Because I felt that you know it could it could spark in any moment if he was fouled in an aggressive manner or in a cheeky way. So um, he was actually getting into it with Pepe. Pepe plays obviously with with Portugal, um, and they were going back. No, are you? <laughs> yeah, they were going back and forth. Into it with Pepe, really? I mean, that's going to be the first time that's ever happened in the history of football, right? <laughs> yeah. So they were they were going at it after uh, you know before the the caution, um, just talking saying things, uh, you know, kind of being gamesmanship is what I like to call it. 
um, you know, and, and they went up for a challenge and, you know, the goalkeeper and Pepe were going for a challenge. So it was Neymar. Neymar pushed Pepe into his own goalkeeper um, and the goalkeeper kind of flipped over, um, you know, and I felt that was the, that was the last straw. If I don't do something now, uh, it's going to get worse. And obviously what you don't call it, you, you encourage, right? So um, he, he received his first yellow card. So let me ask you about that. You know, we, we, we have, and, and you've refereed some of the, the biggest players in the world. I mean, I, there's, I, I just saw a picture of, of you and Thierry Henry and Thierry Henry's got his hands wide open and he's looking at you going, what referee, come on. Um, you know, we, we look at these players and, and, and they're, they're the gladiators. They're the gods of the sport. And I'm sure some of the big players think, hey, referee, look, do you know who I am? I can get away with something extra. Is, is there ever any pressure on a referee to let the stars get away with stuff? Um, I never took that into account. I treated everybody fairly is what I thought. Obviously, you know, you have to be smart with some of these players. You know that, you know, if they are the ones that are targeted, uh, which kind of I talked about a little bit earlier, um, you know, it can make your game difficult. So you have to protect that integrity part of the game. Uh, however, do they get any special treatment? In my eyes, they didn't. Um, you know, I can see how people can perceive that because you are focused on those players because they're so good. So anything that happens, you're focused on it. You're, you're going to remember it. But in reality, I think for the most part, referees, um, the number one thing a referee has is, in, is integrity uh, and honesty and being fair. And that's how you get to the top, not by calling uh, one way or another, right? So I, I think those players, um, they feel they might have a little bit more leverage, but in reality, they, they really don't. They, they're just one of the litter. It's, it's so interesting that you say that because, you know, it's, I, I, sometimes I find myself watching uh, the NBA and the big stars of the NBA, you know, Le, Le, LeBron, for instance. I mean, LeBron will, will, will foul somebody and nothing will be called. And yet, you know, a less known player will, will do exactly the same foul. And of course, he gets called on that. Um, you know, in, in obviously, you know, basketball is a completely different sport to soccer, but it still has these superstars and, and, uh, and officials can still be, I don't want to say uh, manipulated, but, you know, when you've got, you know, 16, 18,000 people screaming in an indoor arena and like you have like 70,000 people screaming at you, tell, tell me how you can just tune that out. Uh, well, I think, you know, tuning it out is is not the correct way of saying it. i think more so you know you have to take all that information when you're a referee at any level if people start um you know yelling at your decisions or the players start getting frustrated because of what you're calling you that that's a perfect key for you to adjust right maybe you swung the pendulum too much to the right and you have to bring it back a little more so you know you can't just say i tune it out you need to listen and hear and see if you're being accepted, right? Because that's really what football is is, is about, is uh, for everything to be fair and people to expect what's going to happen next, right? Setting things up so that um, it's easy for you to make decisions. I think that's what's, what's most important. And you have to, uh, you know, listen to what's happening around you. That's a great point, great point. And, and a great segue into... How can we get young people involved in refereeing through Cal South and, and you as an SRA? Well, we have a, an amazing program. Um, it's second to none. 
the programs that we offer, we have 80 courses a year, 80 plus actually, courses a year. I just had a conversation with U.S. Soccer. They were surprised because I believe that we're the only uh, state in the country that does that. We have 80 courses a year ranging from, um, you know, educational courses, uh, recertification courses, entry-level courses for referees, webinars. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a big, big program. Uh, we have fitness tests. Uh, it's, it's, it's tied around all of the resources that referee, referees need to develop. And develop means to be the best at your level. It doesn't mean to advance. So those are two different things that I think people sometimes get confused. Um, when you develop it, you're trying to be the best that you can be at your level. And you don't have to be a professional referee at the top games to be the best on the local level. And I want to stress that uh, we support everybody at every level and we're there to help them uh, become better. So tell us how uh, a young aspiring ref or a, an, an older uh, an older gentleman or an older lady can get involved. Where do they go and what does that progression look like? Well, they go to our website. Um, they can go to our website, uh, calcel.com. You'll have a referee tab. And on there, it has all of the information you need to become a referee. Um, you scroll down to the page and it has <clears throat> clear steps on what you have to do. Uh, there is a, an online component. There's an infield component. Um, and there's a registration process. If you need any help on that, we do have, we offer uh, an email that, you know, everybody can ask their questions and we get back to them, uh, you know, within 24 hours. And that's referee registration at calsal.com. Um, the progression of that is, you know, you finish your requirements. We set you up with a local assigner so you can do games in your area when you are available. Um, and then we, we offer referee mentoring for those referees that need it. Uh, registered assigners assign you to matches. Um, and that's where I think the important part comes in, where they assign you to matches with people that have experience in the beginning. Um, you might start off as an assistant referee um, and watching it from the side. And, you know, from there you progress into to the, to the center of the field once you're ready. And then, you know, you start getting these, these great opportunities to, ref to referee some great matches out locally. And who decides when you're ready? So, for instance, you take the, the referee course, um, you pass, you get your badge, you get your license and card. Do, do you become, can you become a center referee immediately or, or do you definitely start on the, on the sides as an assistant? Uh, we recommend that you start on the, um, as an assistant referee. However, you know, if you feel that, you know, maybe in the center you're, you would do a better job, then obviously, you know, there have to be games that are in your, your level. So the assigner would assign you. Um, however, he would have to assign you with somebody with experience. Excellent. And let's talk about our deal with Capelli, because obviously when you're a referee, you've got to look the business. What is Capelli currently offering Cal South's referees? Well, Capelli is now our exclusive merchandise provider. Uh, they have they have a referee line that is you know approved uh, by the federation, and you know it's it's very good quality at a reduced price from other competitors. So you know we spoke with Capelli. We made this deal, a two year deal, where we'll provide referee gear for the for on the field and off the field at a reduced rate, uh, not compromising the quality. So 
they agreed to it. They've decided to also uh, give us uh, funding for our programs that we have, the 80 courses a year. They're, they provided some funding for that with every sale. So when you purchase a uniform or a polo with uh, the Cal South logo on it, you know that that a, a part of that proceeds will be going to our program and back into your own program where you receive training, um, you know, and and courses. So I think that it was a no-brainer. Um, it's positive for our officials because when you first start, obviously you have to buy gear, and Capelli is the way to go. Fantastic. We want our referees and we want them to be smart, handsome, good looking out on the pitch and uh, certainly leading the way in that regard. Um, Juan, talk to us about some of the campaigns you've got going. I know the Respect Referee campaign is very near and dear to your heart. Why why is it so important to you and, and what can we hope to see the, the benefits from it? Well, I think right now um, there's things that go hand in hand. Uh, we have a referee shortage that is real, not only here in Southern California, but uh, all over the country, um, you know, due to the pandemic and the shutdowns, there's many factors there that, you know, I think uh, has called, caused the problem. And right now, you know, we're very short staffed. Um, and in reality, that that's, that's a problem because referees are now having to take, uh, you know, more games than they did before. Right. And that can cause a lot of problems on the field. Obviously the more, games you do, you're tired throughout the day. Um, you know, you might not have as much, uh, you know, um, you know, complacency, you know, you might not have a lot of, uh, no more, or no more gas in the tank, as they say. Right. And if such something happens and you are not going to deal with it, like if you did your first game now that that causes a problem because then, you know, people get upset. So you would have what people call referee abuse. I think that's um, been the tale of this fall season. We've been hearing a lot of referee abuse on the sideline, a lot of complaints, and it's a deeply rooted problem, not only in our game, but I think in every, in every sport, every American sport. Um, you know, we're, we're committed to creating awareness to the soccer community with, with this new initiative. It's called the Cal South Referee Respect Campaign, and it's born because of this. Uh, we're going to do everything we can to change people's perspectives and try to change the culture for, you know, soccer participants who feel that, you know, they have to yell and scream at our officials. Um, that's not the way we want to humanize the referee. And I think that's key, uh, in this fight because it is counteractive to the growth of the game. What advice would you give to, uh, you know, a, a new referee who's, you know, out there and, and has has a love of the game of soccer and just you know wants to do their their best, but you know they're they're, they're so new to to officiating and they are getting yelled at from the sideline. What what advice would you give to those referees on, on how to deal with that? I think the first part is to have a mentor, get somebody that you trust, somebody that's been there. Maybe is the person that got you into refereeing. Maybe it's um you know an older gentleman that has refereed for a long time. You know, find a mentor, find somebody that's going to be there and that you can, you know, bounce ideas, talk to when things don't go good, when things go good. Um, a great, a great advice that I got when I was a young referee was, you know, don't get too high when things go, when things go high, when things go good. And, you know, don't get too low when things go bad. Um, always try to have the same outlook when you referee. 
uh, because there is going to be bad days. There is going to be days where, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's difficult to be out there. But, you know, I think with, with the young referee, this teaches a lot of life lessons, right, when you referee out there. Um, and I think it's positive that we go through these things um, so that we can become better people and, and learn how to deal with certain situations. However, uh, there is a line, and that line shouldn't be crossed by the spectators or the coaches. A lot of them don't. The majority of the games go well. There is, uh, you know, a few thing, a, a few instances where you know people go overboard. But at the end of the day, we're all in this together. Um, that person that you're yelling at is—it could be a, somebody's daughter, somebody's, you know, mother, father, son—and you wouldn't want that to happen to your family. So my clear message is, you know, go out there and enjoy the game. Uh, the referees—they're going to make mistakes. Uh, at, to your perception, they're going to make mistakes. Let's get on with the game um, so that we can grow together. Well, you know, uh, you know I, I just recently passed my refereeing badge and so did my, my young son. So I guess the question is, will you mentor us too? <laughs> yes, sir. I will mentor you. Actually, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if I can talk about this, but there's an incident and I wasn't sure if you're going to talk about it. There's an incident um, in Colorado a lot of years ago where we didn't know each other, Nick. Do you kind of want to talk about that? I would love to, you know, I'm, I'm so glad you brought it up and I'll, I'll just set up the uh, the listeners. This is a great story. So um, as some of you may know, I'm, I'm good friends with Eric Winolda and he and I have coached together on a number of occasions, most notably with Cal FC. Um, well, Eric was the uh, coach of the Atlanta Silverbacks and we'd actually gone through a part where we, we weren't talking to each other and out of the blue, Eric said to me, listen, we got a, we got a game, we got a US Open Cup game in Colorado. Do you know, do you want to come with me? And I I was like, okay. So we flew out to Colorado that day, and I knew a bunch of the players because they were ex C players: uh, Jesus Gonzalez, uh, Darby Carrillo, uh, Mikey Randolph. So a bunch of players, and we get to Colorado. Of course, it's high altitude, night game, uh, and it's very stormy that night. A lot of big clouds and a lot, a lot of electricity in the air. And um, so we, you know, the first half begins, and we've got a player called Jaime Chavez, great player. I mean, and I, I think. Uh, Mr. Guzman actually knew Jaime Chavez years before, you know, they played together. So Jaime Chavez opens up the scoring for the Silverbacks. And you have to remember the Silverbacks are an NASL team. Uh, the Rapids are MLS, you know, they've been MLS Cup champions. I mean, a great team coached by Pablo Mastroianni. So we go one nil up and then the, the, the storm comes through, lightning, everything. And Mr. Guzman's like, okay, we're going off the pitch. So off we go. And I think it was about five minutes before halftime. And actually, that was good for us because, you know, obviously Colorado, high altitude, we were out of gas. Uh, we come back out, we play the remainder of the first half and the second half begins. And, and Jaime Chavez scores again, another great goal. So now the Silverbacks are 2-0 up and I'm on the bench and we're cruising. I'm, I'm loving it, going, oh, this is great. You know, we're beating an MLS team. Well, the next thing you know, Jaime Chavez has gotten into an altercation with, I think it was Matt butchers or something like that and uh from where i was sitting it definitely looked like Tommy chavez stamped on his opponent so <laughs> mr guzman runs over and of course you know has to brandish a red card well the next thing you know it's all kicked off the colorado players are there all the silverback players are there puku comes running in uh, rather aggressively he gets a red card 
the Colorado player, I believe, Butchers said he maybe thrown a thrown a fist or a hand or something. He gets a red card. So now there's three red cards. Well, the next thing you know, Winolda is out on the pitch screaming at Mr. Guzman. <laughs> and, and his assistant is with him screaming at Mr. Guzman. Both of those get a red card. Pablo Mastroni gets a red card. And uh, the fourth official, and you probably know his name. I don't know his name. He comes up to me and says, um, you're Nick Webster, right? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, whatever you do, don't step on the pitch. Otherwise, Silverbacks will have no more coaches and there'll be a forfeit. And I'm like, oh, my God. Well, the next thing you know, another Silverbacks has got a red card. I think he said something to you. And so now it's 10 v 8 for the rest of the game. Oh, my God. It was cool. It, it was it was, I, I want to hear your the story. <laughs> well, the funny part was, uh, you know, we had that lightning stoppage, right? Um, and we have to give uh, direction and protocol communication to both coaches. So during that stoppage, you know, I, I, we call for Winalda and we call for Masteroni to come into our locker room. <clears throat> so they sit down and we go through the whole protocol, how we're supposed to, what's going on, how much time they have uh, once we get the okay to go back on. Um, you know, and they say, and they both, um, I had a ref Masteroni for, you know, a good number of years. Um, and they both, you know, come and say, okay, uh, Juan, you know, because it was on a first name ba basis. Okay, Juan, well, good luck for the second half. Everything's going to be fine. You know, okay, great, guys. Uh, enjoy the game. So so that happened moments uh, before. And, and he actually stomped on the head of, of Drew Moore, which is their captain, and had been their captain for a long time. So both benches obviously cleared after they saw that. Um, you know, Jaime Chavez had scored two amazing goals, right? Um, and, uh, and the MLS team, which was the one that was expected by them, uh, to be winning was losing 2-0. So I think that that added to the fire. Um, I think, you know, uh, the right people were sent off. Um, it was a crazy game. There was a game, all, all those game, those open cup games where you have first flight versus uh, second flight, it's always, uh, you know, a dangerous situation to get into. Luckily, we were able to, to finish the game. I think I called the PK against Atlanta at the end, towards the end. Uh, was not well received. However, Atlanta still won the game, um, and they went on to the next round, which I thought I, I think they lost. Um, but yeah, but it was just uh, one of those games uh, that are there in history. And you know, at, at some point, you know, I'm glad that I was on that game, and you know, we were able to finish it because you know it was not an easy game to handle. And, you know, it was, it, after looking at it, back on it, it, it was a fun, uh, you know, game that I'm, I'm glad I was a part of. And Mr. Webster, you were the head coach at the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, this, is, this is one of the crazy things. So I think it all happened in like the 58th minute. So I had 32 minutes to navigate. And so I, I remember bringing all the players over very quickly and saying, OK, what we're going to do, we're going to play a 4-3. Okay, four <laughs> defenders, three midfielders. We're going to give up the wings. And we're just going to let them dump it in the box. And incredibly, that's what they did. Instead of trying to play through us, you know, they just started raining crosses in. And we were very good at that. And so I'm counting down the minutes. And I'm like, oh, 86, 87, 88, 80, 90th minute. Yes. And then your fourth official puts up the board. 12 minutes. <laughs> I'm like, no. It's not possible. Nick, so, Nick, so you're the winning coach of that match. And I'm going to give you all the credit for winning that match. Because that was tough playing eight versus ten. 
It certainly, it certainly was. Well, I, you know, and and just to, to wrap up that story. So when um, when Mr. Guzman was was interviewing for the SRH of at Cal South, and and obviously, uh, uh, I don't think COVID had started then. It it was just before, but I was coaching a game that day, so I think I was I was listening in uh, on the headset and had a you know a video on my phone, and, and I'm like going. I know this guy. I, where do I know this guy from? You know, because it, it just, it, it, there was such a feeling inside me that I knew you. So as soon as we got off the phone, I, I typed in Juan Guzman and I'm like, hmm, hmm, hang on a second. And I did the, uh, I typed in Atlanta versus Colorado. And of course your name came up. So I, I'm, I'm so, I'm thrilled actually, Juan, that, you know, it's it's come full circle, and and now we have this opportunity to to work together, and 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 the work you're doing right now uh, for referees in the Southern California you know, community is is absolutely outstanding. So be, before I let you go, what's what's your last message to 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 the listeners out out here who are interested in refereeing? Why should why should they come and be a referee and 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 help help out the sport in this in this uh, region? The sense of satisfaction after a game um, is is un, it's unmatched. You feel uh, you know that you're doing a great service to your community, and you know also with the growth of soccer, we need everybody we can. Uh, we can't get out of this shortage without your help, the soccer community. Um, I invite you to become a referee. I actually challenge you. It's one of the most fulfilling things that you're going to do in your life. And once you're out there, you're going to agree. So anybody that wants to be a referee, we're committed to properly train, uh, certify, and and mentor you to be the best that you can be. Mr. Juan Guzman, SRA for Cal South, thank you so much for joining the Bear and the Ball. And uh, I'm sure everyone's going to see you out on the fields very, very soon. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So that was Mr. Juan Guzman. Great stories. That Open Cup game really has gone down in history as one of the most famous U.S. Open Cup games in the storied history of the competition. Well, I did say I was going to tell you about this exciting competition because Cal South is creating a new league in the San Diego area. And we want you to help us name it. That's right. The winning entry will get $500 worth of Cal South branded Nike gear. So this new gaming circuit is going to start in the fall of 2022. It's going to be open to boys and girls teams from the U8 to U19 level. And we want to find a name that really, let's see, really resonates with you and signifies what youth soccer in the San Diego area can be all about. So get your thinking caps on and go to calsouth.com. You will find a nice little tab there that you can click on and you will click on that and come up with this great name. And as I said, $500 worth of Nike branded Cal South gear will be on its way to you. Name that league. Come on. I can't wait to see what you guys come up with. Also, don't forget about our fabulous 7v7 adult tournament, Kern County Soccer Park. 
up in the Palm Springs of the San Joaquin Valley, otherwise known as Bakersfield. It is going to be epic. We have DJs pumping out the EDM. We've got incredible gourmet food trucks. There will also be some local breweries showing us their finest brews. Lots of brewskis, IPAs, lagers, you name it. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. And of course, this is open to men, women, and co-ed teams. And for the upper divisions, the professional divisions, there is quite a nice bit of prize money at stake. So go to calsouth.com, look for the 7v7 tab, and get your teams together. You can register all the way up until game day. This is November 20th and 21st. It's a weekend where adult soccer is going to be happening. We've also got a big beach tournament coming up that same weekend down in Huntington Beach for the youth. So get those socks ready. Beach soccer at its very, very best. And of course, as I said at the top of the show, down in Region 5, Adam Wilson is really making some amazing things happen. Adam is the District Commissioner of Region 5, and it is Recreational League Central. They've got an Open Cup coming up on the 13th of November in Rialto at the Jerry Eaves Soccer Complex. They have the Commissioner's Cup for under 10s and 14s on December 4th and 5th, plus a co-ed U10-14 tournament uh, run by the Temecula Valley Youth Soccer Association. Three games guaranteed, only $110 to enter. So if you are in this District 5, otherwise known as San Bernardino and Riverside, you really want to check it out. On January the 8th and 9th, they'll have the All-Stars President's Cup. That's hosted by the Apple Valley Youth Soccer Association. And on the 15th to 16th of January, the Apple Valley Brewster Park for girls 15 and 16. And finally, the Tournament of Champions, January 29th and 30th. We'll definitely be revisiting those tournaments as we get closer. But the big wins are the kids are back on the field. So let's make sure that we support everything that's going on in District 5, San Bernardino and Riverside. Well, that's all we've got time for today. I am Nick Webster. Of course, you can find me on social media, on Twitter, at Nick Webster. I'm also on Facebook. And I do have a Soccer Coaches Mastermind group on Facebook that has over 4,500 members. So those of you who are coaches, please visit that. And then, of course, CalSAL at calsouth.com that's where you'll find all the news on tournaments the capelli gear how to become a referee and of course register for state and national cup you'll find us on instagram at calsouth soccer and on facebook thank you for joining us on the bear and the ball the only podcast dedicated to adult and youth soccer in the southern california region i am nick webster I'll speak to you real soon this